0: Well, I used to play basketball. How many of you played basketball before? And uh, I tried to play on a team once. Have you ever grown up playing street basketball? And all of a sudden, you're an organized basketball? It's like a a different world completely. And uh, I remember one of my uh, first times playing an organized uh, basketball after playing street basketball the coach gathered us all together and he drew up a basketball play you know you go here you go there you move here and then finally you shoot the ball and everybody he said you got it everybody clapped their hands we got it let's do it and uh, we were all in position but then all of a sudden someone passed me the ball and uh i looked and i said you know what i could do the play but i see an opening here and so instead of following the play, I did this, I did this, I did that. And I went straight to the basket and scored and I looked around. I want to give a high five. Here's some of my first points in organized basketball to my coach. But he gave me a look like, you're about to get benched right now. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you forgiveness because I'm going to pull one of those this morning. Okay? Because the playbook, the bulletin says, today, I'm preaching on identity theft. And I am, I do have a sermon prepared on that, and it has to do with how to receive healing when you have been abandoned, when you have been mistreated, when you have been physically abused. The Bible, and especially the experience of Jesus, has an answer to those things. But during this week, I've been reading a story in the Bible that's really been speaking to me, and really been speaking to me so much that I decided to go ahead and uh, call it an audible, as you may say, and say, you know what? I'm gonna preach on something else. Is that okay? Don't look at me like my coach after the sermon, okay? You better give me a different look. But before I do that, before I pray, I'm gonna ask you to just, I wanna recognize someone this morning. Uh, I wanna recognize my friend Henry, sitting right here in uh, one of the front rows. Henry's like, what would I do? You did nothing. Our good friend Henry from Panama has been here attending our church for the last couple of months. He came from Panama, left his family to study here. And you know, when you leave home and you leave your church and you're in a foreign country, sometimes a real person comes out. They stop going to church because their family's not there, their pastor's not there to watch. No one knows if they would never not attend church. But this young man found the Seventh-day Adventist church. And he started attending. He's been part of our family. Today, if I understand right, is your last Sabbath here, right? And so we have been grateful to have you worshiping with us. We're going to miss you. Uh, Next time you come, bring your whole family with you. And we'll welcome you just the same. Let's pray. you have your Bibles with you? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit that inspired the Bible writers would also join us here as we begin the study of your word. This I ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesse. Sorry, I forgot something before I began. Don't look at me weird. You guys don't use cologne or perfume? Tell the truth. Who has used cologne this morning? Two, three people. How many people, or ladies, I would hope, have used perfume this morning? All right, a couple of hands, a couple of hands. Well, I understand, I completely understand why perfume or cologne is not as important today as it was maybe earlier on in Western Europe when, as I heard, it was invented in France, maybe it wasn't. But I know that they used it many years ago in France because back in the days, they didn't have running water and they didn't have that hot water all available. So we usually like to take a shower every day or maybe every other day. But back in the days, they didn't have this commodity. They didn't have the opportunity to take a a bath or a shower every day. And so they would sweat and they would have body odor and they would have to go out in public, they would have to interact with people. So they came up with this wonderful idea, something called cologne and perfume. And cologne and perfume in those days was not only meant to be sprayed to smell good, but you had to pick the right cologne and perfume that would mix with your particular sweat smell and your particular body body odor smell to then create a nice smell between the cologne perfume and your body odor and so you would go and you would find the right combination and you would go out in public and even though you hadn't taken a shower for a week or maybe two weeks, people would say, hmm, he smells good. Hmm, she smells good. Now, nowadays it's a little different but I still enjoy a little bit of, of cologne every once in a while. But when I go to the store, you know how it is. They, they have shelves with, it seems like, hundreds of colognes and hundreds of perfumes. And after you take a breath of one or two, they all start smelling the same to me. Have you guys had that same experience? They all smell the same to me, and, and I try to tell my wife, which one do you like? Because I, you know, I can't tell the difference anymore. Sometimes they give you a little bit of the, of the what's it called, the... Um, They give you the coffee coffee beans to help you to reset your nose and smell it again. But even though all colognes, when I go shopping, smell the same to me, there is a difference, I notice, between the cheap ones and the expensive ones. Have you noticed that too, or is it just me? You see, I notice that when you buy a cheap cologne or you buy expensive cologne, They kind of all smell the same still. They all have a nice odor to them. They have a nice smell to them. But the difference between the cheap and the expensive cologne is one of duration. You see, when you spray the cheap cologne, what happens? It smells good, right? You spray it in the bathroom or the perfume in the bathroom. As soon as you uh, put on your coat, you could smell it less. By the time you get in your car, you could barely smell it. By the time you get to work, people are smelling nothing. It's gone because it's cheap cologne, right? Or cheap perfume. But you know the expensive kind. The expensive kind, you could put a little drop here. You could put a little drop here and there. And as soon as you open it, as soon as it hits the air, it not only invades your body, but it invades the atmosphere. It starts diffusing around you. It it fills up a whole room. It fills up wherever you go. And as, as you walk by, people smell it. And it's not just for one minute, five minutes, one hour. But it's throughout the whole day that you smell that delicious perfume or that manly cologne and you smell the difference now I don't know why that is someone once told me it's because they put uh, the they put in the expensive cologne the oils of a skunk have you smelled a skunk before you know if someone gets sprayed by a skunk it usually takes a hard long time to get rid of that smell right and so there's something in that skunk oil that they put on the expensive colognes and make it last for a long time. And so are you smelling my cologne or are you not smelling? Is it diffusing? No, it's not. It's the cheap kind. Not I can't afford anything better. But today I, I want to go in the Bible and I want to open up a story of a woman and her expensive, extravagant, over the top, fragrant oil. I want you to to read a story with me of a woman whose oil and her her, her scented oil and perfume or cologne, whatever you wanted, filled the room. Filled the room with aroma that everybody could smell. And in fact, people are still smelling it. Turn with me to the book of John chapter 12 in your Bible. John chapter 12. And we find the story of a woman called Mary. Have you heard of her before? Mary in the Bible. If there's someone next to you who's who's uh, feeling a little tired, give them a little tap, a love tap, and say, "Hey, I got you. Don't worry, I got you." And if someone doesn't have a Bible next to you, you scoot on next to them and say, "Don't worry, I got you. I got you." All right, we're there. Amen. So the Bible tells us a story of a woman who goes and buys expensive, extravagant, over-the-top, fragrant oil. And the story begins with these words. Now listen carefully. It says, then six days before what? I said six days before Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the... From the dead and so here we have a story that begins in a town of Bethany now the town of Bethany is an important town in the Bible because it is a town that was very close to Jerusalem in fact it was only 1.5 miles from Jerusalem is that walking distance we say depends pastor is it winter or spring or summer what is it right It was walking distance for them, 1.5 miles. But what was so special about Bethany was that it was a home of three friends of Jesus. What were the names of these three friends of Jesus? It was Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. That's right. And in fact, this was a place that anytime Jesus came to Jerusalem, he would first always stop in Bethany. He would always stop in Bethany because he knew that in Bethany, in the home of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, he would always find a warm bed and a warm meal. Do you guys have a home like that somewhere? Where you travel somewhere far and you have some friends that that you know you'll always have a warm bed and you'll always have a warm meal. Henry, I'm looking at you. Next time I go to Panama, I expect a warm bed and a warm meal, okay? Because, you know... We're friends, right? Okay. Got it. Well, in this occasion, the Bible tells us that in verse 2, there they made him a supper, speaking of Jesus, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those that sat at the table with him. Now, this was not a normal meal. This wasn't just a, you're stopping over, let's have some dinner. In fact, when this story is told in another gospel, it is said that it was hosted by Simon, who had been healed by leprosy by Jesus. And we find that Lazarus and Simon were there hosting Jesus because they wanted to honor him with a special meal. And why did they want to honor him? Why did they want to have a special meal for him? Because he had raised someone from the dead and healed someone from leprosy. I mean, if you're ever going to throw someone a dinner, you should probably throw someone a dinner who brought you back from the dead, right? (laughs) Or someone who healed you from from leprosy. So this was a a special meal. This was a meal that was honoring Jesus. And so the Bible tells us, that they gathered and of course maybe martha had a catering business i'm not sure but the bible tells us that she was serving the meal maybe in gratitude for what jesus had done for her brother but then we get to this extravagant expensive over the top fragrant perfume cologne oil whatever you want to call it in verse three the bible tells us then mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, and she anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her, what? With her hair. And the house was filled. The house was what? Was filled with fragrance of that oil. That's how I know they didn't cheat her at the store and give her the cheap stuff because the Bible tells us that the aroma filled The whole room. Now, when I read this story, I was a little bit confused. Why would Mary do that? Why would Mary pour this fragrant oil on the feet of Jesus? I mean, if you think about it, isn't it kind of weird to spray someone with cologne or perfume? Imagine that, we're downstairs during our potluck meal, and Pastor Silva is walking around greeting people. And as you turn your back, I just go, tss, t's. You're like, what? what was that? And then I go greet more people, and tss, tss. T's. <laughs> All of a sudden, people start looking at me and it's noticing the smell. Why are you spraying me, Pastor? Do I smell? What's wrong with you? Stop being a weirdo. What's going on? And I continued to spray people. You see, there was no custom in those days of anointing people with oil at the mealtime. It was not something that was done customarily. This was something out of place. This was something strange. This was like Pastor Silva spraying you. What's going on here? There's something that, that is not fitting the narrative. There's something that's going on. Why, I ask, would Mary do such a thing? Why would Mary... Pour this extravagant, over-the-top, expensive oil in an inappropriate setting as a meal. And the key to understanding why Mary did such a thing is the context of the story. The key is what? Context. Context. The story, listen to this, the story begins with these words. Then six days before Passover... Six days before what? Yeah. Passover. Now, what happened during Passover? What did people do during Passover? The most famous thing that you probably remember is the Passover meal. Do you remember that famous Leonardo da Vinci painting of Jesus in the center and his disciples to his right and to his left? And what are they eating? They're eating the Passover meal but the title of that painting is not called the passover meal what is the title of leonardo da vinci's famous painting of jesus and his disciples what is the name the last supper the last supper Supper before what Before before his death bingo context is key the story really begins with these words Six days before the death of Jesus. Are you getting it? Are you getting it? Six days before the rest, six days before the trial. Six days before the verbal abuse. Six days before Jesus was abandoned. Six days before Jesus was tortured. Six days before Jesus was crucified. And six days before Jesus died, Mary came and poured fragrant, over-the-top, expensive oil on him. That's the context. That's the context. But why would she do that anyway? What does that have to do with the death? Of Jesus Christ. Well, the reason it has to do with that is because Jesus recognized that as a preparation for his burial. Keep reading the story. In verse 4, it says, But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, why was this fragrant oil not for, sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Was he really worried about the poor? No. no, the Bible continues and says, This he said not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. Can you imagine that? People are donating. That's like someone coming to church and when we pass around the offering plate and uh, when when it's their turn, you know, they, instead of putting money in, they take money out. Have you guys ever done that? No, don't raise your hand. That's kind of wrong to the wrongest degree, right? That's just not right. And so this man didn't care about the poor, but listen to the answer that Jesus gave him because this is key to understanding why Mary... Poor, expensive, extravagant, over-the-top oil six days before the death of Jesus. The Bible tells us, this he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief, and he had money boxed, and he used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, let her alone, or leave her alone. She has kept this for the day of my, what? For the day of. My burial. You know, my grandfather recently died, as some of you already know. And uh, even though it's a tragic thing when someone dies, I am thankful that when they die nowadays, when we go and stand by the casket, and I saw my grandfather, they do a good job preparing the body. You know, there's people that do that for a living, right? They do the makeup and they comb the hair. They put a nice suit in them. It's already a shock when you lose somebody. But it'd be more shocking to, to see someone disfigured or, you know, bloated or whatever it is. And so they do a good job preparing the bodies for the open casket. And, I, and I'm appreciative of that. I'm appreciative that, that, that we were able to see my grandfather as he looked when he was alive for just a few moments, for just a few moments. But, but you know, it, it wasn't like that in the time of Jesus. It wasn't quite like that in the time of Jesus. People were not buried the same. People were not prepared for burial in those days in the same way. In fact, uh, where they were buried was quite different as well. You see, in those days when someone died, if you had money you were able to either buy a cave or have someone dig into a soft rock to create a cave. And and there in the cave, they would create these little holes in the wall, and then they would have kind of a, a rock bed, a rock bed right in the center. And the idea was that when someone died, you would take them to your family cave. Today we have family plots. Back then they had family caves. And uh, what they would do is that they would lay the body right there in the center of the cave. But because this was a family cave and people kept dying, they couldn't just let the body stay there. And so after a couple of months, Or a couple of years, depending how fast someone else died in the family, they would have to roll the stone, re-enter the cave. And you literally had to pick up the bones and the rotting flesh of your family and gather them up and put them in one of the holes in the cave so you could lay down your newly deceased family member. That's tough, isn't it? I'm glad now when someone dies, we lower them in the ground, and and, and if someone else in my family dies, I don't have to go, you know, unearth my grandfather to make room and move his body around. It was a difficult thing. It was a hard thing. And so in order to make this a more pleasant task, the Bible tells us, that when people were buried in those days, they would wrap them with linen cloth. And every time they would wrap them with linen cloth, they would put some myrrh there. Are you listening? They would put some aloe there. They would put some spices on the body. And finally, they would just pour a bunch of expensive, extravagant, over-the-top perfume cologne, or oil on that body so that the next time they entered that cave, they wouldn't only smell flesh, but they would smell spices. They would smell cologne. They would smell perfume. And they were able to do that task better. Now, when we think about the life of Jesus Christ, though, We find that in Luke chapter 23 and verse 53, I want you to turn with me there. Luke chapter 23, Matthew, Mark, Luke, chapter 23 and verse 53. When you're there, let me know by saying amen. Luke chapter 23 and verse 53. Let's actually begin with verse 50. Verse 50 says Now behold, there was a man named Joseph, a council member, a good and just man. He had not consented to their decisions, indeed, he was from Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who himself was also waiting for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Did Jesus have money when he was on earth? Yes or no? So when Jesus died, did he have a cave? He didn't. So what were they going to do with his body? They were going to throw his body in the city dump. And so Joseph said, no, no, not not him. Don't throw him with the trash. Don't throw him with the dead animals. Don't throw him there. In fact, I have a cave that I have bought recently for my family. And no one has died there. And he begged Pilate, please, let me take his body so I could give him a proper burial. And the Bible tells us in verse 53, then he took it down. He wrapped it in linen and he laid it in a tomb that was hewn out of the rock where no one had ever lain before. But listen, what day was that? That day was the preparation. And the Sabbath drew near. Near. So Jesus died on a Friday and to prepare his body for, for burial, to wrap him with all those spices and aloes and, and all those fragrant oils. It takes time. It takes preparation. And you know, were they expecting Jesus to die? Absolutely not. No one had bought the oils. No one had bought the things that were needed. And so they simply wrapped him up and they couldn't finish preparing him for burial because sabbath was drawing nigh the bible says and so they wrapped them the rock went over the cave and the bible tells us that a bunch of women gathered and just like they do here in the church when something needs to get done it just gets done when women get together and the bible tells us here in verse 55 and the women who had come with him from galilee galilee followed after, and they observed the tomb, how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and fragrant oils, and they rested on the Sabbath according to the what? According to the commandments. You see, their plan was to return Sunday morning and take the time to lovingly unwrap their master who they had given all of their hope to, the master who was supposed to become the king of Israel, their master who they thought was the Messiah, and they would, they would wash his body gently. They would wrap him slowly so that he would have these beautiful smells covering his body, and finally, they would pour that fragrant oil over all the linen so that his cave would be filled with a beautiful aroma. But when those women showed up on Sunday morning, could they do that job? Could they do that job? They went looking, but they couldn't find his body because Jesus Christ had risen from the grave. And so there was no time to prepare his body for burial. On Friday, so it needed to be prepared before Jesus knew that he was one week away from dying and if you read the Gospels you hear that Jesus is constantly telling his disciples I'm gonna suffer and I'm gonna die I'm gonna suffer and I'm gonna die and every time he would tell his disciples his disciples would either ignore him like "Uh, you know I didn't hear that or pretend I didn't hear that or sometimes they would even rebuke him, saying don't talk so negative Jesus Don't bring up that, we don't want to hear that. That's not true. And Jesus kept trying to tell them and tell them. They wouldn't listen. They wouldn't pay attention. But finally, when he was getting close to his death, Jesus became even more insistent on telling his disciples over and over and clearly and clearly, I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be judged. I'm going to be Crucified. I'm going to die. He was so kind and loving to his disciples that even though he was facing death, he wanted to prepare their hearts for the eventuality of seeing him die. But would they listen? They wouldn't listen. They wouldn't believe him. They ignored him. They didn't want to think about those things. He was supposed to be crowned king in a couple of days, not on the cross. But there was someone. Listening. There was someone listening. There was someone listening because she loved Jesus and what he had done for her. She was listening because he had forgiven her. She was listening because Jesus had cast demons from her heart and her mind. She listened to Jesus so much that at times she even neglected the cooking and the cleaning to just sit at his feet and listen. And the more she listened, she discovered that he was going to die. And so one day, she sneaked off the 1.5 miles to Jerusalem. She walked to Jerusalem, and she asked directions because she had never been to the expensive stores in town. She had never walked into a Chanel. She had never walked into a a Prada store. She had never walked into a Louis Vuitton store. But she asked that day in Jerusalem, where is that store at? Where are the expensive stores? They gave her directions and, and she arrived there at the store that had the fragrant oils, perfumes, and colognes. When she walked in, the owner take one look at her and dismiss her. She can't afford anything here. What is she doing here? But as she walked up to the counter, very humbly, she pulled out her purse and poured out $40,000. Extravagant, expensive, over the top. The owner's eyes got big. He had $40,000 on his counter, one year's wage. And he asked, what can I get for you? Now you wanted to do business. And she said, give me as much of the best and most expensive fragrant oil that I can buy with $40,000. He looked at the $40,000, looked at the top of his ware at the very top was the best of the best he brought it down and poured out about a soda cans worth of fragrant oil that's expensive forty thousand dollars for about a cup and he gave it to her she put it in her purse scurried off back to bethany before sunset the next day was that special meal for Jesus. Everybody gathered. Mary's sister Martha was busy making the food, preparing everything. Simon was inviting his guests. Lazarus and Jesus were the ones everybody wanted to see and talk with, and they gathered around the table. The food was being served. Everything was going well. Everything was going fine. Mary finally arrived at the party and even though she was waiting for the death of Jesus to pour out this fragrant oil of forty thousand dollars when she saw Jesus something just came upon her something just took over and she couldn't wait until his death anymore I've stood at the caskets of many families when their loved ones dies and i've heard so many times if only you were alive i would now do this with you if only you were alive and i now would say this to you and they put in all these gifts and mementos into the into the into the casket but it's too late to say i love you it's too late to give a gift it's too late to go on a date That was before, and I think that maybe Mary thought that at that moment when she saw Jesus, what's he going to appreciate it when he's dead? I want to give it to him now. Or maybe it was like me and my daughter when I buy her her birthday gifts, when I buy her Christmas gifts, and she comes to me about a week before her birthday or a week before Christmas, and she gives me a, a big hug and tells me, Daddy, I love you. And my heart is just bursting with love. Immediately, I run to the closet, pull out that gift, and I come to her. And I say, I love you too. Here's a gift for you. And my wife says, what are you doing? That's for Christmas. That's for her birthday. And I said, I know. But I love her so much that I can't resist giving it to her. And so Mary, even though it was for his burial, sneaked up behind him broke that bottle she didn't want anybody to know she didn't want anybody to know but poor Mary she had never bought anything expensive in her life she had only bought the cheap perfume she didn't expect it to make much of a scent anywhere because she was used to her cheap cologne but as soon as she broke that and poured it on his head and on his feet the aroma filled her nostrils filled the nostrils of Jesus, filled the nostrils of of the disciples to the right and to the left of them. Then it started spreading throughout the whole table. Finally, it spread through the whole room. And at the end, it filled the whole house. Her extravagance, her over-the-top, her expensive, fragrant oil, that she had paid $40,000 for. What's the main point, friends? Listen to this. Main point. Ready? If anyone tells you to be moderate in your love for Jesus, do not listen. If anyone tells you to be moderate in your love for Jesus, do not listen. Pour it all out. Go over the top. Be extravagant. Sacrifice it all because he is worth it. And he might not be going to the grave, but we are if he doesn't come soon. And in the grave, you could give him nothing, but now you could pour out everything. And when you pour out your life for him extravagantly and over the top, you're going to become an aroma of life to everyone who comes in contact with you. In Latin America, we have something called el día de los muertos, the day of the dead. And uh, family members come once a year to the graves of their loved ones, And they spent uh, the night before cooking and buying gifts. And they bring those meals and those gifts to the graveside. And they leave them there, gifts and meals. And they talk, you know, supposedly talk to their dead loved ones. And then they leave and they come back the next day. And wouldn't you know it, the next day, the gifts are gone and the food is eaten. (laughs) Amazing, right? Well, the caretakers of the cemetery have a delicious meal on that day. And about one week later, you could find all those gifts at the pawn shop. Because it's too late for them. It's too late to give. God gave his son for you. He gave extravagantly. He gave over the top, and he gave the most expensive and precious thing that heaven could pour out for you. Mary gave all that she could. And Jesus said that wherever the gospel is preached, the story of this woman will also be told. Because she was an aroma of life. And you, if you pour it all out, will also be an aroma of life of life. Don't let anyone tell you you're giving up too much for Jesus. Don't let anyone tell you that don't be so fanatical for Jesus. Don't let anyone tell you that you should pull back from doing so much for the church or you're giving up friends or family or positions or influence or job or money or education. There's nothing too much to give for Jesus because he will repay you a hundred times over. And So the lesson today from Mary is don't let anyone tell you to not give too much for Jesus. Can you do that for me? Give it all for Jesus. Don't wait until it's too late. Give it now. Give it today. Give it right now. God bless you.